let's find our seats once again. And we have a, we have a lot to celebrate today. You know, as I'm looking out, I see actually quite a few people that I have not seen in too long. Nick, I see you, man. Good to see you, brother. I saw I saw JC and Leda and Nick and JJ and is Megan here too? Where 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 you at? Where you at, Megan? There you are. Got a little bit taller since the last time I saw you. Jason right here, I said hi to him beforehand, but it's good to see you again, brother. Good to see you again. Man, excited to be with you today. So glad to uh, just worship with you and, and just sing and just celebrate. Um, sorry that I didn't introduce myself before. My name is Johnny. I'm the campus pastor here at our Monterey Park campus. Uh, our lead pastor, Albert, he oversees this campus as well as now our second campus over in Roland Heights. So that is where he and his wife, Christine, who is the campus pastor at Roland Heights, and their family are today. So it's been quite a year because we've kind of had to get used to being in two different locations. And some of the people that many of us were used to seeing for years, and some of us even decades in the same church, we kind of had to get used to worshiping in different physical locations. Um, But we really are working and striving very hard to be one church, and that does take a lot of work. And so thank you for joining us today. It's so good to see our seats just full and uh, people being blessed today. Um, what we always do every week is we start by reciting a prayer together. This kind of gets our heart and our mind in the right place. So would you please join me in reciting this prayer right now? Oh Lord, our God, you have chosen to make yourself known through your creation, your word, your son, your spirit. Now reveal your glory to us and through us, the church. Speak to us, form us, Lead us, dwell in us. Teach us today how to love as Jesus loves. To welcome the stranger, heal the sick, care for the poor, to bear good news, build bridges, and bring your people home. For Christ in us is the hope of glory. May your perfect will prevail in us this day. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So once again, I'm honored to be with you today on this day when we celebrate good news. And what is this good news? If you boil it down to its simplest, today we celebrate that someone important died and came back to life. So really, we are celebrating one of the most improbable, most unbelievable, most uncommon occurrences in human experience. Now, there are many, maybe some of us here today, many who doubt the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the simple reason that resurrections just don't happen. It's just not a thing that happens. Yet, there are stories, even today, I'll share a few with you. In China, a few years ago, there was a woman who suffered a head injury. She could not be revived. Now, according to local custom where she lived, her body was supposed to remain in a coffin for several days before the funeral. But a few days before the funeral, a friend went to go check on the coffin and found that the woman was gone. Apparently, she had woken up and felt so hungry that she got out of the coffin to cook herself something to eat. <laughs> Another amazing story is of an Argentinian baby who was stillborn and was immediately taken to the morgue placed in the refrigerated drawer 
When the parents went down to say goodbye, the mother felt the child looking at her. And when the child let out a faint cry, the mother fell to her knees. The parents named that baby Luz Milagros, light, miracles. <laughs> One of the most unfortunate stories comes from Venezuela, where after a man was presumed dead, the medical examiners began doing an autopsy. When the man felt them cutting his face open, he woke up screaming. Now, that would be quite a story for anyone who asked, hey, how'd you get that scar? <laughs> yeah, this one's from uh, when I died and came back to life. That happened. Now, maybe these people were really dead, and maybe they came back to life. Maybe they were just mostly dead. I don't know. I wasn't there. But the fact remains, more often than not, that dead people don't come back to life. I don't know if it's ever happened to any of you. It has never happened to me. It is an event that is so far-fetched that it's not hard to understand why some people simply just don't believe it happens, ever. In the Bible, there are actually 10 times that's recorded when someone came back to life from the dead. But today, we celebrate this one. It's easy enough to understand why we celebrate, many, many of us celebrate, Jesus' resurrection, because he's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We celebrate that he was born, so why would we not celebrate that he died and rose again? Here's the question, though, that we're going to be kind of tackling today. It's this. What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean for you? For you. For you. Today. Now, I think my favorite death-to-life story in the Bible uh, comes from the book of Acts, chapter 20. There's a young man named Eutychus. He's sitting in a third-story window listening to the Apostle Paul preach. And it says Paul was talking on and on for so long. You know, some of you guys feel like that's us, right, the pastors? They're talking on and on. I know, I know, Leo. I see you. You're like, yeah, I get it. I know you guys talk on and on and on, right? So Paul was talking on and on and on, right? And Eutychus fell asleep and <laughs> fell out of the window. And uh, he was pronounced dead at the scene. But Paul prayed for him, and he came back to life. I will bet you money that is the last time Eutychus ever fell asleep in church. <laughs> I know personally people who have seen miracles happen right in front of them, prayers answered. People have seen healing take place right on the spot. And these are people that I know and trust. They are not crazy, and they don't make things up. And for the people who pray for these things to happen, who have the gift of healing, it must be such a thrill to watch God do these amazing things. To have been the one, like, like Elijah or Peter or Paul, to actually pray someone back to life. To see the body of a deceased person lying there only to watch that body revive. That would have to be top three greatest experiences of somebody's entire life, hands down, right? Wouldn't you think? But recently, a friend got me thinking, what must it have been like? What must it, is it like for the people who are raised to life? What is it like to be dead, first of all? But then what is it like to be dead and then suddenly alive? Like, what must it have been like for Eutychus, who died on impact when he hit the ground, suddenly wake up again? Now he is on the floor, on the ground, and everybody's looking at him. What must it have been like for the young man that Jesus brought back to life 
to sit up and see the crowd that was gathered around for his funeral? What must it have been like to be Lazarus, Jesus' friend, being dead and buried for four days, suddenly hearing Jesus call out to him, Lazarus, come out. Of course, we can only speculate about what it's like to be physically raised from the dead. But in order for each one of us to understand what Jesus' resurrection means for each one of us, there are three questions we need to answer first. The more important questions that I invite you to consider today are these. What would be the point of coming back to life physically if I'm still dead spiritually? What would be the point of coming back to life if I'm just going to die again anyway? And what would be the point of coming back to life if I'm just going to be the same person as before? Of course, all of these questions are rhetorical. Because what is the answer? There's no point. If it's just this, if this is all we have, then yeah, I will stay dead. Now today, you might feel like that dead person waiting to be revived. Today, maybe you are that dead person and you don't even know it. Or maybe today you just need to be reminded and reassured who you are. Now it's important for us to understand that Jesus' resurrection did not spell the end of physical death. For the last 2,000 years, physical death has still been happening. All of the disciples, all of Jesus' faithful followers have all died physically over the centuries. No, Jesus' death and resurrection spelled the end of the power of spiritual death caused by sin. The real and the final enemy is not death. The real and final enemy is not death. As King Solomon once wrote, death is the destiny of everyone. Death, as it is often said, is a part of life. But there is a death that is worse than physical death. It's a deadness that will plague you. It's a weight that grows heavier by the day. It is a stench that clings to the very fibers of our beings. It's what Romans 3.23 talks about when it says the wages of sin is death. Sin is so much more, much deeper than the naughty things we do, the embarrassing things we think. It's more than our bad habits and our unhealthy tendencies. Sin is final and deadly separation. It is what keeps us distant and disconnected from God. It is what tears apart our families and causes even the most important relationships to crumble and fall. It is that which wages war within our own beings and causes us to self-destruct sin. And though the Bible tells us, and many of us believe, that Jesus Christ has died and has risen again, there is something that must happen before I can experience this new life with Christ there is something within me that must die in order for me to experience life. Now, we're going to be looking at the book of Romans. And we're going to have the scripture up here uh, on the screen. But if you have a Bible app on your phone or if you want to pull one of the Bibles out from one of the seats in front of you, you can look with me. You don't have to. The words will be on the screen as well. But we're looking at the book of Romans, chapter 6. 
And we're reading this because it is probably the clearest explanation in the Bible of specifically what does Jesus' death and resurrection mean for you today. Otherwise, what are we doing? We're just celebrating a thing that happened 2,000 plus years ago, supposedly. What does it mean for me today? What does it mean for you today? Let's read. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Remember I said that there is a death that is worse than physical death. And yet here Paul is saying that the only way to escape that death caused by sin is to die to that death, to die to sin. I think for many people, this is a thought that we don't often have because many times we think, okay, well, Jesus died so that I don't have to, right? He, he died for my sins so that I don't have to. Many of you who have grown up in church or you know a little bit about the Bible, the, the idea that Jesus died so that we don't have to die, right? That he paid the price for our sin. And in a sense, yes, that's true. Jesus Christ is the final sacrifice for my sins. We don't offer animal sacrifices any longer so that we can be purified. I don't need to sacrifice myself because Jesus Christ is the final sacrifice for my sin. Yet there is something that must happen for me to live free from the power of my sin. I myself must die to my sin. Jesus' death is not just an act that was done on my behalf, but it is a demonstration. Jesus' death is a demonstration of what I myself must do. My sin must be put to death. Paul continues, verse 5. For if we had been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Jesus Christ is not just leading us to put our sin to death, but he's leading us to a new life, a life lived free. Just as his death is a demonstration of how I must put my sin to death, so his resurrection is a demonstration of the life that awaits me when I do. And what is this life? What does it look like? What does it say? Here, here it is. This is, a, this is a life that every one of us needs, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And again, remember, sin is not just the little, the peccadilloes that we do, the little mistakes, the failures, the faults. Sin is this entire thing that consumes us, that we may live a life where we are no longer slaves to sin. Now, there are people, religious and non-religious, who love to point out other people's faults and failures and sins. 
so they can feel better about themselves. It's called self-righteousness. You ever seen a little show called TMZ? <laughs> boom, boom, boom. I love to just watch, I mean, come on, who doesn't love a good celebrity meltdown? <coughs> These people are perfect, right? All the makeup, the lights, they act, they sing, they dance, they're perfect. But man, watch those people fall. Watch the videos come up on YouTube. Watch the comments roll in. I think we all can relate to this at some level. But I want you to know today that this ridicule, this shaming, this is not Jesus' angle. He is not a God who calls out your sin and my sin so he can pile on the shame and pile on the condemnation. That is not who this God is. Jesus himself said God did not send his son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world through him might be saved. By calling us to die to our sin and live a new life, Jesus is not condemning us. He longs to set us free. Sorry for those of you who are waiting for these on the screen. Finally, Paul says this. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. I want to speak to those of you today who have had this experience, maybe, of complete surrender to God. I don't know about you, but I've had these experiences. I grew up going to church. I grew up as a kid who had to figure out what it meant that God loved me and he was not condemning me. Because no matter how many times somebody would tell me God loves you and he's not condemning me, I always felt like God was condemning me for what I did, for what I thought. I had this experience so many times as a teenager, as a young adult, surrendering to God on my knees, crying, wiping my nose on my sleeve, confessing to God, declaring, okay, God, today's the day. Today's the day I'm going to put my sin to death. Today's the day. Today's the day I start living for you. And you may be thinking, as I often do, especially if you've had that experience, why do I still sin? Why do I still find myself caught up in what hurts me or even kills me? I know some of you relate to this. Paul says to us, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Jesus Christ. If you are in Christ, you are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation. You are born again. You are a child of God. You are free. This is your identity. This is who you are. But what happened? We lose sight of our identity, don't we? We forget who we are. So many of us have that experience of finding ourselves in that old place again. Maybe it's not quite as bad, but we think to ourselves, this is not right. 
I'm not supposed to be here. This is not who I am. This is not where I live anymore. There are things that only God can do through Jesus Christ. God is the one who calls us, chooses us. God is the one who saves us. He's the one who sets us free. He's the one who makes us holy. This list is not complete, but these are many things. There's a few things that God does. But Paul reminds us in this scripture that there are things that we can do to continue to live in this place of new life. What are the things that we can do? He says, I must count myself dead to sin, but alive to God. I have to count myself dead to sin, but alive to God. I have to say, I am dead to sin, but alive to God. I must not let sin reign in my mortal body. I must not offer up any part of my sin, myself to sin. I must offer myself up to God. These are the things that I can do. These are the things that I must do. And remember, you're not just dead to the individual wrongs that you do, the moral failures. You are dead. If you are in Christ, you are dead to the very thing that tears you away from God, others, and your own self. See, when you read the scripture and it's like, you must be crucified and you must die. What are you talking about? I'm not going to die. I'm not going to kill myself. I'm not going to put myself up on a cross. What are you talking about? He's talking about putting to death that part of you that is killing you anyways. Why can we live this new life? How is it possible? Because sin is no longer our master. But we are under God's grace. And this is good news. Sin is no longer our master. We are no longer slaves to sin if we are in Christ. And what is grace? This grace that we are under? God has paid what I never could for a penalty that was not his to bear to give me a new life. What does Jesus' resurrection mean for you today? That new life is available for you now, in this moment, today. Jesus' resurrection is not just for when you die. It means that you get to live a new life now. Let me say that again. Jesus' resurrection is not only for you when you die. It's for you now. So going back to these three questions that we talked about, what would be the point of coming back to life if you're dead spiritually? What would be the point of coming back to life if you're just going to die anyway? What would be the point of coming back to life if I'm just going to be the same person? I want to offer these three points of spiritual What would be the point of coming back to life if you're dead spiritually? This is what the resurrection means for us. Jesus rose to fill you abundantly. And of course, before he could rise, he had to die. Jesus died and he rose again to fill you abundantly so that there is no spiritual death. So you don't have to be spiritually dead. And maybe we don't use this terminology. Maybe we don't all use a spiritually dead terminology. But every one of us can relate to this hollowness, this emptiness inside. Every one of us can relate to these moments when it's just us, just in the quietness, or we could even be in the middle of a crowd, and we just look around and say, is this it? Is this all there is? 
I know people who have been in the, in the midst of situations that you wouldn't even believe, having a moment of clarity and just thinking to themselves, it doesn't seem right. There's, there's got to be more than this. There's something else. Jesus rose to fill you abundantly, as Jesus said. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, and life overflowing. And I want to tell you this really quick. This, right now, what we're doing right here, sit, sitting in church, this is not even the beginning of the abundant life that God has for us. This is just like a starting point, okay? The life that he has to, to fill you abundantly, that's what happens out there. When you go out and live during the week, when you go to work, when you're with your family, when, you are, when you're dealing with the stuff of life, those are the places where God wants to fill you abundantly. Sitting in church, this is not even close to the extent of it. What would be the point of coming back to life if you're just going to die anyway? Well, Jesus rose to save you eternally. You know, we don't really hear about what happens to the people in the Bible who are um, raised from the dead. We hear a lot about spiritual death. What Jesus did for us when he rose from the dead is that he said to us that this life that we live is not the end. Yes, each one of us is going to face a physical death someday. And some of you may even be dealing with death in your own family right now. I know there is somebody uh, over at our other Roland Heights campus. His mother has been given days to live. I don't know how much time she has left. Every one of us is going to be dealing with this. But today, you can have an assurance that Jesus' resurrection for you means You are saved eternally. You're not just saved from death. You are saved to an eternal life. And the last question, what would be the point of coming back to life if I'm just going to be the same person anyway? So what does happen? What did happen to all those people in the Bible who were raised again? Did we ever hear about what happens to them? Not even Lazarus, the, the friend of Jesus. Jesus went to his grave and he wept over his... I don't know what happened to Lazarus. Maybe Lazarus rose from the dead and he became a real jerk. <laughs> maybe he walked around and he, maybe he like tried to make money off telling his story. Come see the man who was raised from the dead. And I don't know. I don't know what he did. But I, I, I kind of like that we're not told what it says or, or, or what happened to them. Because it kind of leaves us open to decide. Put yourself in Lazarus' shoes. Put yourself in Eutychus' shoes, having fallen out of the window and raised to life. Put yourself in their shoes. If you were brought back to life, what kind of life would you live? If you have been brought back to life in Christ, what kind of life do you live? As 2 Corinthians says, Jesus died once for all so that those who live 
would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died, rose again. So Jesus rose to transform us completely. In Christ, we live a life where daily we have the choice to count ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, where daily we choose to offer ourselves as instruments of righteousness, where daily we live under grace. And when we know who we are, and our sin has been dealt with and put in its place, it is then that we see death overcome. Because the true enemy, sin, spiritual death, has been defeated. I don't know about you, but I want to live this kind of free life, no longer a slave to sin. I don't know about you, but I still too often feel that I'm in that place. And yet I hear Jesus telling me, why are you still there? Why are you still living in that place? That's not you anymore. You don't live there anymore given you a new life. So stop living there. Stop counting yourself alive to sin and dead to Christ. Count yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You can have that today. So our main question today was this. What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean for you today? And and I asked it this way on purpose. What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean for you? Uh, Many of us know that God so loved the world. And even if you're not familiar with the scripture reference that that comes from, many are familiar with this idea that God supposedly loves everyone. But today, I want to talk to you about a love that is so intensely personal that it's not just for everyone in general but it is for you specifically say that again the love that is in Jesus Christ is not just a love that is for everyone in general but it is for you specifically today right now where you are in your life Yes. If you are thinking, me? The answer is yes. You. But God, you you know what I've done, right? You saw that thing that I did, or those things that I did, if I'm being honest. Right? Yeah. I don't even think I believe in God. What about that? What do you guys say about that, God? Still love me? Why is it important that this is for you specifically? What's on my heart to share with you today is that I believe in a God who cares so deeply for your wholeness and completeness that he doesn't just want to see your sin covered over, pushed to the side, maybe just diminished a little bit. He wants to see it crucified, dead and buried. He wants to see you, the real you, the one he created you to be come alive I believe in this God because he has taken me this addicted self-hating angry, bitter, fearful man and made me into something new dead to sin 
and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do I falter and fail still? Yes, I still do. But thanks be to God, I know who I am. I know who I am. And every time I forget, I need God to remind me. He does. And sometimes it's through his word. This supposedly outdated, irrelevant book still has relevance for me today. Sometimes he uses some of you to remind me who I am in Christ. I am not that slave to sin. I am alive in Christ. I want each one of you, every single one of you, to know who you are today. Now, as I conclude my sermon, and before I get ready to baptize a few of our friends outside, I just want to make space for anyone who wants to come and experience this death and resurrection, which is for you. Maybe you are here today and you've never made a stand. You've never had that moment where you said, you know what, I'm putting my sin to death. I'm done with this. I am counting myself dead to sin and alive to God and I'm not waiting any longer to come alive. I want to be a child of God. I want to be a follower of Jesus today. And maybe you're here today and you've made this declaration before sometime in your past, but you find yourself now in this place where you've forgotten who you are, that you are dead to sin and alive to God, but maybe you need to remember today that you are no longer a slave to sin and it's time to stop living like one. Now, if you are so moved, please don't be ashamed to come forward and pray and have a moment with God. But even if you stay right in your seat right now, please know that you can have this moment with God, regardless of what you do. So no matter where you are, no matter what you do right now in this moment, I want to encourage you to do one thing. Maybe for some of you, you just need to say again, I know who I am. I'm just going to say it again. I know who I am. I'm alive to Christ, dead to sin. But I want to encourage you to do one thing, no matter where you're at spiritually, no matter where you decide to position yourself in this room. If you are making a stand, if you are, ta- if you are taking a stand and making a commitment today to Christ, please just do this one thing. Would you let one of our pastors know? And if you go to another church, if you're a part of another church body, would you let one of the pastors there know? You know why? Because we would love to walk with you on this journey in freedom. And we know the value of walking in community. In community, we thrive. In isolation, we die. So would you please allow us the honor of walking with you as you've made this commitment rather than trying to do it on your own. I'd like to ask you just wherever you are, wherever you would like to position yourself, let's just take the next few moments. Have this moment with God. This is where you know you want your heart to be. Some of you may not be ready right now. If you know that you are ready to make this, to take this stand right now, let's do it. Lord, you know it's taken some time for you to deconstruct in my heart what it is that I believed for most of my life. To deconstruct and then rebuild this understanding of my sin 
and I'm, I'm so I'm so aware that I have no clue the depth of my sin or the, the depth of your sacrifice when my beautiful children uh, look me in the face and they ask me why did Jesus die or what is sin or what happens to me if I sin is Jesus mad at me because I didn't clean my room God I pray that you would take each one of us back to this place where we can be like little children like you said Jesus becoming like little children where our faith is so pure and so innocent and so hungry to know like really know like when our kids keep asking but why and then we tell them and they say but why and we tell them again and we say but why that we can do that with you and that you're not going to get annoyed with us like we get with our kids sometimes God that we can crawl into your lap or we can sit next to you or at your feet we can just say God show me I don't I don't get it how am I supposed to die to this thing that is ingrained in me? How am I supposed to be dead to this thing that keeps coming up? How does this happen? What does this look like? What is this new life? How do, how do I make it so that it doesn't look like fundamentalism or religion or just rigid, pharisaical rules? How do we do this, Jesus? What's this is gonna look like? I know I want to be free. I want to be free from my fear, my pain, from my past, from my addictions, from the things that hurt me, from the things that kill me, from the bad decisions I make. I want to be free from anxiety and depression, and I want to be free from these things, God. But what? What does your resurrection mean for me? May each one of us have that moment with you. Where we can just ask you, Jesus, show me. Thank you, God, that this death and resurrection is for us. It's for me. May we live in this confidence and this assurance. We pray in Jesus' name.